the deal. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is your boy Croft. Listen, y'all, here we are again. Here we are again on our Zoom podcast, Child Welfare. And listen, y'all, we have a great, great host, uh, uh, guest today. We have a great guest today. I'm talking about Miss LaWanna Renee Barron. Y'all listen to me now. I'm your host. That's right, your boy Croft, right here in the ATL. This is what we do. Hey, listen, uh, before I get started, I want to kind of tell you a little bit about our guest today. You know, established in August 22 by Miss LaWanna Barron, BCD. L-C-S-W, A-C-S-W. Listen, y'all, all of these letters, this is what I'm talking about. This endowed scholarship will be awarded annually to students enrolled in the Tuskegee University Bachelor of Social Work Program and Master of Social Work Program. It serves to honor the legacy of a professional social worker who greatly impacted our nation and numerous communities. Now, now check this out, y'all. LaWanna Barron's first job as a federal civilian social worker was at the Department of Veteran Affairs Hospital in Tuskegee, Alabama. Now, in January 1993, she was hired to serve as a social worker on Ward 44-1 Acute Psychiatry. Ms. Barron completed uh, uh, psychosocial assessments, family contacts, and multidisciplinary treatment plans for veterans before they were transferred to a treatment unit. Good God Almighty, Ms. Barron. I mean, she's doing her thing. Now, Ms. Barron stayed in Tuskegee uh, for several months and ate that famous chicken coop. Hey, listen, listen, I know exactly what you're talking about. I remember the first time I tried it. You know, she was extremely honored to be a part of the historic Tuskegee community. In 1993, Ms. Barron transferred to Moody Air Force Base in Georgia and returned to her home in Valdosta, Georgia. She served as the first family advocacy treatment manager and later as the family advocacy outreach manager and family advocacy intervention specialist. In August 22, Ms. Barron retired after almost 30 years of federal service. Listen, y'all, without further ado, I'm ready to introduce Ms. LaWanna Renee Barron. How you doing, my friend? Oh, hey, bless, bless, blessed to be alive and blessed to, to, to be a part uh, of this podcast. Good deal, good deal. You know, I always say it's the greatest day of my life because, you know, tomorrow ain't got nothing to do about it. Yesterday is a cancel check, so all we got is right now. We're going to make the best of it. I'm so glad to have you on the podcast today. So listen, we're going to jump right into this thing. We're going to jump right into it because I know that your time is limited and I want to make sure I respect that. So uh, Ms. Barron, what I need for you to do first is, you know, just tell us about your social work career and your connections to the Tuskegee University. Yes. Um, first of all, uh, I just want to give thanks to God uh, to be alive and to be here 
uh, and to be able to, to serve. Uh, also, I want to thank uh, Dr. April Jones, uh, who, who leads, uh, and not just leads, but is a visionary leader for the Department of Social Work, uh, a very dear friend, uh, and I've known her uh, for the last 15 years. So I just want to thank her as well. And I also uh, just want to thank you for allowing me to, to be on the podcast and do the work. Uh, and just, um, it's so, just, just the gratitude uh, for, for the extraordinary legacy, you know, of Tuskegee University, for, for the president and administrators, the professors and the students and the alumni. It is certainly um, with gratitude um, that, that, that I'm here today and to, to be just um, able to be able to help others. Good so deal. In ter- yeah, so in terms of for um, social work, how I became a part of this, um, you know, um, I, um, you know I, I am a fifth generation, um, uh, really from being offered a slave. And uh, my, um, you know, I'm from Valdosta, Georgia, born and raised in Valdosta, Georgia, uh, it's the last stop in Georgia. Um, it's right off of I-75. It, it, it's halfway, it's a gas stop between Atlanta, Georgia uh, and Orlando, uh, Florida. And so it's, uh, it's about 100,000 here in our county. So my, my mother's sister um, was a social worker. She went to Albany State and she got her master's in social work from Syracuse University. So uh, I wanted to be a social worker. I grew up, my, my, my paternal grandmother had a neighborhood store and I, I grew up in this store and she had a bench in the store. People would just come from the neighborhood and talk and solve problems. And, and, and that really got me the interest of listening to people and listening to, to issues and things that, that families were facing. So it was instilled into me at a very early age to help others. Uh, my father, um, was the uh, uh, first uh, African-American that was uh, appointed and elected to serve uh, for the Valdosta City Board of Education. So I grew up in a family of service. Uh, my grandfather was a sharecropper, tobacco farmer, uh, and he retired uh, around the age of 85 as the, as the oldest African-American farmer uh, in, in Cook County in Adel, Georgia. So I, I just I, I, I just have to look at it in terms of our a historical aspect and generations of, of, of service. So anyway, when it came time for me to go to college at that time, my parents had, had just bought a house. So of course, you know, I, they say, hey, it's a school out there. You're just gonna have to figure it out. So, you know, I, I just went out to Valdosta State and um, graduated. And of course, I wanted to get to the MSW program. And uh, my my professor told me about University of Georgia. So I went to University of Georgia. And then from there, did a practicum at the Medical College of Georgia and uh, ended up in Augusta uh, and worked there. And then I wanted to work for veterans. And so from there, you know, it took me two years. And I got a job over at the Tuskegee VA. And I tell you, that was the best job that I've ever had in my life. And, you know, I remember coming to the Tuskegee VA. I packed up at that time. I had a little 8,200 hatchback, packed it up and got there and stayed in, out back in the domiciliary. I, I stayed there for like three months 
and I, and I ate at the chicken coop. You know, it's nothing like it's not was nothing like that chicken, the fried chicken, and the peach coffee. And so that's how I live. But the the everybody at the VA helped me. They helped me in terms of the transition and to be there. But it was it it, it taught me so much about in terms of care, compassion, helping. And so my job on acute psychiatry, you know, it it was a a, a forty four bed. Uh, inpatient lockup, very severe in terms of uh, of diagnosis that came in, PTSD, uh, substance abuse, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia. So I, I learned about the veterans. I learned about the families that in that local area. and Because everybody came, all the veterans came, usually, you know, once a year, they came to the Tuskegee VA. And I had to call and learn the families and learn the veterans and understand what the situation was in terms of their families, understand in terms of what they had gone through uh, from, from, from the previous wars and conflicts. At that time, we was dealing with Afghanistan. And you talk about Vietnam. It was so many things. But what, again, what was so, what I learned, and it instilled, was instilled into me throughout my 30-year my career was compassion. That's what I got. That's what I learned. Compassion. That's what was taught. Compassion. So, you know, I, I, I can't say enough about that, you know, about what, what all of what the Tuskegee VA gave to me, the Tuskegee community. And so for me, you know, at that time, I was like, wow, you know, going through the campus of Tuskegee University and you know, where the Tuskegee Airmen, I mean, it was just, it, every time I, I went through the campus, it just chilled me for the history, the history. And of course, now I think that Tuskegee, the city of Tuskegee, I think that's the best city on the globe, on the planet, because of history, because of the endurance and the challenges that all the, the, the families and people, the veterans, everybody has gone through. It's nothing like, there's nowhere like Tuskegee. Alabama. No, nothing like Tuskegee University, nothing like in terms of the Tuskegee VA. So, so here I am coming from outside, but the compassion is what, what was instilled. And also at that time, my supervisor was Phyllis Austin. Uh, she was always, she was there for me. And there was also the nurse that, that worked there with me, Marguerite Merchant, Lord Davenport. He's just recently retired from the VA. And then my cousin, she worked at the parks and, and park service, Shirley Streeter. And then uh, her her good friend became my good friend. You know, so it was just it was just the family. So anyway, that that's that's what Tuskegee. I, I don't really even think that I gave to Tuskegee. I think I came there to get the life story and and get what I needed to be able to help others throughout my career. Wow, my. God, Miss Barron, you just put it out there like that. Listen, I know a little bit about Valdosta. I know when me and my parents used to go to Florida, like you said, you know, it's the last stop before. And then we would stop right there in Jennings. And that would be the first stop right after Valdosta. And, uh, you know, for you to come out of Valdosta and, and do the things that you've done, I mean, that's totally, totally incredible. But my thing is, my thing is, you know, 
as a kid, as a kid, did you see yourself even doing any of this that you're doing? Uh, no, no, I, I never, I didn't, I, you know, as a, as a kid, you know, you see things in life and, you know, you always want to do and you read about things and you see things. And, and so the thing that's the biggest challenge is money. You know, you can read, you go to school, you know, I, I, and I'm proud to say I'm a graduate of, of course, of a Valdosta High School class in 1985. You know, we're the winningest high school football program in America. Um, I, I, I'm proud to say all of those things, but you know, when you're when you're you know at that age where you want to try to do, you want to have a dream, you want to go help people, and then when you you realize it takes money to go to college, it takes money to do these things, and so a lot of times the reason why we're not able to complete those dreams is because. We don't have just a little bit. Sometimes you just need a little help. And sometimes that little help is the hope that you need that, to be able to, to get to the next step. And, and so the story what is, is that it's been inspired. My, my father wanted to go to college. He came from a single parent household and he wanted to go to college and he, you know, he wasn't able to go because he needed help, but he wasn't able to make it. And so that drove him into wanting to help students. So he would sponsor students, sponsor any kind of things he could to help students. So when my father, when, when he died uh, in, in, in 2001, my mother, and this was through the help of Dr. Shirley Harden, she was the chair of the African-American Studies Program at Valdosta State University. So she was the leader in that. And, and so in this, my mother did an endowment in my father's name. And, and so therefore that, that endowment is there. And so because of seeing how that worked, I said, you know, whenever I get to a point of retirement, I wanna go and help some more people. I wanna help students because along the way I was helped. Somebody helped me, people helped me. And I was helped and that got me where I am. And so because of the lesson that I learned through Tuskegee VA and the community of Tuskegee Compassion, then that has instilled in me that now I've got to go back in here and continue to do the same things. And also another professor uh, that, that I had, Dr. Professor uh, uh, Letty, Dr. Letty Lockhart in the School of Social Work at the University of Georgia, that's the thing she said now, Whenever you finish up, you come back and you give. And so it was through all these lessons learned that made me want to set up an endowment for students just to give them a little help along the way to achieve their dreams. That's amazing. I know you said, you know, you came out of uh, Valdosta High School in 1985. Hey, listen, I'm a graduate in 1985 myself. That's right, right here. You know, Frederick Douglass High School in Atlanta. All right. <laughs> hey, listen, <laughs> yes. listen, that's what we do. That's what we do. And I'm, I hear the compassion in your voice. I mean, you know, it's something, something very serious. And the thing about it is, like you said, you know, you believe that you can do it. You believe that. And one thing about believing, if you truly believe, I really do understand that the how-to will follow very closely. 
However, however, Ms. Barron, on the flip side of that, if you say you believe, but in the back of your mind, you don't think it's going to work, then it's nothing but a wish. But you made that thing happen. And I just want to give it up to you big time for making things happen like that. Now, 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 the next thing I would like to know is, you know, from your perspective, is child welfare social work on the rise and why? Yes, child welfare is on, on the rise. It's always been a major issue. But when we think about where we are today, okay, we're, we're in, a, in, a, in a life that we've got to adapt and deal with COVID. And so when we think about the world was shut down, we think about the, 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 the jobs that were lost, the millions of people that died, you got to think about what happened to the children. We got to think about in terms of the increased poverty rates. We got to think about in terms of the, 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 the issues of literacy, how far our children got behind. They would listen. When I tell you, and I, and I just want to salute educators. I want to salute teachers. Now, before COVID, I'm going to tell you, I don't care whenever you, those kids, when you talk about reading, children were reading. They were doing awesome in school and they were excited about it. And of course, you know, we had, of course, dealing, you know, with some things that we were managing. But there was a level of excitement and we saw that. And so, of course, we, we, we everybody's working on making sure, hey, that, that we get back and even exceed. And so many, many school districts across this country, particularly those that are working with African-Americans, you know, they're, they're still doing COVID. They're still seeing an increase in graduation rates. Some are not. But with the child welfare piece, when all of this is impacted, and you talk about in terms of mothers and fathers who now don't have the, the money that they once had for jobs. Now we're talking about, okay, the rent. Everybody know the rent has skyrocketed. You know, every day, you know, we're talking about tens of thousands of families are being put out on the street that have become homeless. Okay. You know, who, who nobody can afford rent. Right. Now we're talking about not just homelessness, not just in terms of food insecurity, not having food. One day you might have, the next day you don't. You don't have clothes. So how are you expected to perform in school? Right. So this is created, of course, in addition, you're talking about the massive mental health issues of everyone, adults, adolescents, children, from what we've gone through. So mm -hmm. that, all of this right here has really, really concerned child welfare. Then we've seen, of course, uh, just the stress level of our child welfare, child welfare workers, as well as social workers. Um, we're talking about increase in terms of substance abuse, opioid use, fentanyl. We're seeing increase in 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 in, in suicides. You know, uh, you know that that is in our community. That is something that we're seeing an increase in having to deal with. I am a certified QPR instructor. Question. My and goodness. what we do, we respond, we refer, we ask the question, have you thought about killing yourself? You know, those were words and questions that we never asked. 
Now we have to ask them. So yes, child welfare is significant in terms of impact. My goodness, my goodness. I mean, you know, and, and you know, because you have to ask that specific question or anything like that, has it done anything to your psyche? I mean, because of the fact that we're in a new time, so to speak, uh, to make you just, you know, wonder, is it going to ever be okay? Well, you know, that's an awesome question. Spencer, is it going to ever be okay? And I and I and I take this because I think this goes back to our spirituality. You know, I think this goes back to back in the day. You remember for many of us, you know, we had to go to church all day on Sunday. Y'all remember we had to go to revive Bible study. Y'all remember the choir and the old songs. God. Remember them old songs, Amazing Grace. You know, all these songs and all everything, when you go back and hear the song, is it going to ever be okay? It's something that we got to say. We got we got to say God is always with us. Okay? It's going to be okay because he is with us. He's not going to forget us or forsake us. Okay, that's where we got to hold on. We got to, we got, we got to really fight this thing because the world is going to keep changing. This scenario and all of this construct is going to keep changing. But we got to know ourselves and have and have really and I, you know, I just say I, you got you got to have that strength in God. That's all we got. And then we got to come to an understanding. This was a global pandemic. It's going to take at least 10 years just to get to the side where you can see your way through. Mm, mm, mm. 10 years. Everybody think it's like this, like a rubber band is going to bounce back. No, this ain't about anything that's any kind of elasticity. It's like that's not going to happen. It, it, this, this is a new world. This is really a new is. world. And, and then what, what the biggest thing, we talk about child welfare, we talk about what families are going through, couples, relationships, it's about grief, grief and trauma. That's what we're dealing with. Yeah, they always said, you know, I, I used to hear all the time when I was had to be there all day, good Lord, have mercy, that you had to get on your knees before you could stand on your feet. However, however, if we could just get people today to understand that, uh, then I think, you know, we'll be in a better place. However, however, but, you know, the way you put it like that, you know, it ain't going to snap back right away. However, I, 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 I do know, I do know, Miss Barron, if you stay small enough, long enough, He'll make you big enough soon enough. You understand what I'm saying, right? Yes, yes, yes. And we, we and we, that's how we have to to make it. That's how we have to do it. And I, I'm so I'm enjoying exactly what you're saying about the whole child welfare thing, and you know, uh, uh, your contributions and 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 how you made a big deal about this whole thing and your whole compassion towards it all. Now, now for 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 those students, for those students, you know, what's what would be something that you would tell students and professionals 
how to successfully chart their career in social work and why social work is a good career choice. Well, first of all, I would say is don't stop. Don't stop because people are dependent on you. You know, people are dependent on you. You know, you, you might just be that, that array of sunshine, give them hope just so that they keep living. So they feel like, hey, I can make it. So, so that, hey, they don't become so depressed that they give up and that moms and dads don't become so depressed that, hey, they feel like, hey, I can't make it because the children are dependent upon them. So I, I, I believe is don't give up. Somebody's got to be there for our family. Somebody's got to be there for our children. And so that's why social work is so valuable at this time. There's not enough social workers. We need as many, many, many people that have compassion, that want to help people and give to people and help change lives to come in this profession. And sometimes you come because of experiences. Maybe you yourself had gone through something and now you want to say, hey, I want to help people uh, that, that, that were, were like me. So again, for social work is, first thing is it takes the, the, the drive and the compassion. I believe it's about compassion because I think you can't help nobody if you don't have no passion. You, don't, you, you, can't, you can't convince anybody of anything that things will be better if you don't have that. Then again, you have to um, be academically uh, prepared, finish your high school degree, diploma. Then you go, you get accepted to college, Tuskegee University, <laughs> Bachelor of Social Work Program, and now master of social work program, complete the requirements. Then you have to figure out, hey, what types of social work am I interested in? Whether it's administration, management, advocacy, and community organizing, aging, developmental disabilities, healthcare, justice and corrections. Now that's a new area. Now they have social workers that are now actually their jobs where they're now going out with police officers. They now have mm -hmm. social workers that are part of the police departments. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So therefore they're responding to these crises. Now you're gonna see more and more of this across this country because it's needed. Then you also have mental health, clinical social work. That was the area that I, I, that I was in. And then again, substance abuse social work. And then social justice. That's the most important piece in terms of empowering others, whether it's through edu uh, advocacy, being in terms of uh, a lobbyist, legislative issues. We got so much going on. And then also social justice is about voter awareness, voter participation, and, and making sure that everyone gets out there to vote. Now, I'm gonna just stop and tell you, <laughs> I, but you know, down here in Georgia, we we done work hard. We've yes, been working we hard. Yes, okay, we you have. know that. You know about this, okay? <laughs> we done yes, worked we hard. Have. And I mean, because of that, we have elected Senator Raphael Warnock 
as yes. the first African-American senator for a full six-year term. But listen, what we all had to go through down here, as you know, that's a whole nother, I know we're on the podcast for this, but I'm going to tell you the same thing. Let me tell you something. We work and work and work all everything. That's what we yes. talked about. All right? And we can't forget about how we came, how our, 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 our grandparents and great-grandparents, all this stuff happened. Anyway, I'm sorry. I get going. But anyway. <laughs> That, that that's all right that's all right hey listen y'all with the hey, we, we we're doing this podcast show this podcast is is a great i mean you know now this podcast show it, you know it just keeps you in the know about all things child welfare and whatever else you got to say about it i mean you know you were talking about hope earlier you know my dad used to have a sign right before we left the house and it was an acronym of hope it was h-o-p H-O-P-E, holding on, praying, expecting. So when we went out that day, when we went out that day, whatever it is that we were expecting, we had that hope for it. We had that hope for it. So we did what we think. We did what we did. And we realized that, you know, even with this social work thing, when people want to do what they're supposed to do and the people who are having issues, you got to realize that God don't care what it looked like. He just wants you to get up, dress up, and show up. But don't ever, ever give up. You understand what I'm saying? You yes, understand what yes, I'm saying? Yes. Oh, yeah. So I mean, you know, this, 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 the podcast. This podcast is very, very good because I mean, you know, I'm, I'm hearing some things. I'm learning some things, and I, I really do appreciate you so much for making this thing happen. But before, you know, we wrap this thing up, before we wrap this thing up, is there anybody out there that you wanna, you know, just just give a shout out to and, uh, you know, just say hello to and, and give kudos to? Well, I mean, first I wanna just, just give, uh, just, just a, a shout out to my mother, Mary Barron. Um, she, she um, um, you know, epitomizes, and, and so the local Martin Luther King Commemorative Committee here, they, they awarded her with the first candle in the dark. And so she, she, um, she works hard. She retired uh, from Valdosta State, and she, she again believes in education, setting up endowments and scholarships, and she works so hard. So I just give, you know, my thanks to her and all of my ancestors, uh, I, I give a thanks to, um, you know, my pastor, um, Pastor Nahim Hooker, the Morning Star Missionary Baptist Church of Valdosta, Georgia. Don't you just love how we're trained with the reverence and order of God <laughs> and our parents and our right, ancestors? Right. And then we got to hook in the church. You know what I'm saying? Right, you know, you right, got to come right, on back. Right. <laughs> right. And also... Uh, Pastor William Morgan and, and just my church family and also reverence to my sorority, uh, Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority Incorporated. Uh, you know, we just celebrated our 100 year centennial. Uh, and so I was able to be there at the countdown. Uh, we were founded by seven African-American school teachers and we're the only uh, sorority to be, be founded at a predominantly white institution. And so I, I am honored to be a life member, Ruby member, charter member, Lambda Beta chapter of Valdosta State and charter member Capricide Sigma uh, alumni chapter. So 
just throughout in my community, all of my friends. I also give reverence uh, to Francis Elmore, uh, Lloyd Davenport, Carter Davenport, Veronica Griffin, Shirley Streeter, and all of my relatives that have been offered uh, family union, again, the Walker family. So I just love everybody. And also to everybody in the community. And I, I, I just wanna just also go back and, and give reverence to our visionary leader, Dr. April Jones. You know, when she came, you know, I, I, I encouraged her to get this job. I said, you need to take this, this is awesome. And we were on a think tank for the United States Air Force. It was 10 of us from around the world that was on a think tank. And so we would make up all of the policies and procedures for family advocacy, prevention and outreach across the globe for all of the 75 Air Force bases. And so, yeah, I said, you can do this. And she did it. And then, you know, she she sent me, um, you know, say, hey, you can make a contribution. I remember I sent $100. I got three thank you letters from Tuskegee University. I was like, and I mean, I'm sorry, I was impressed. And I was like, wow. And she told me what she was trying to do with this MSW program. And I'd say, I said, listen, April, I'm going to help you. And she said, girl, I'm trying, I'm trying. Because we, we both have our MSWs because we understand if you get that, that's a vehicle for to be able to help the families and also an awesome career. You have awesome success. You can be able to take care of your family, okay? A lot of times they look at social work with it that it's about in terms of for poverty and that you're not going to make anything. Well, the average uh, salary now uh, for a licensed clinical social worker, that is a social worker with a master's degree, and then has a license in clinical social work. It takes in the state of Georgia three years of supervision. The average salary uh, starting out is $75,000 a year. And now it's exceeded that because now you can do virtual. Most work now for clinical social work is done virtually. That's well over six figures. But I said, I'm going to help you because me seeing what my mother did and how she helped the African American Studies program at Valdosta State and what it did. Uh, for African-American students there, which now uh, is about 40% at Valdosta State. Um, I was like, hey, I, I, I mean, we, that's what we got to do. We got we to gotta keep giving and giving and giving hope and helping. So I just have to go back to her and her extraordinary vision, global leadership, what she has done for this program, Tuskegee University, you know, what she's done you know, her father and, and what he has done uh, for social justice and civil rights uh, in Alabama and throughout the South, you know, and think here we were as two social workers working together that came back and rooted back in Tuskegee, the Tuskegee Airmen. When I tell you this right here, this right here is phenomenal. And I want to also, in conclusion, thank you for this opportunity and what you've done. And, and again, as you can tell, I can get going. And I and I have compassion. And I'm I'm gonna and, and and I love this song. And this is my life song, Spencer. This little light of mine. Okay, okay, okay. I'ma let it shine. You go let it shine. I like, hey, shine, let shine, it shine, shine. I'ma let it shine. <laughs> and I want everybody, let your light shine. Give hope, whatever that is. Whatever it is, I challenge everybody, everybody has an opportunity to do something. Because if we all do something, we're going to get through this. God going to bring us through.
Thank That's you. That's right. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Listen, listen, let me just say, I want to just piggyback off what you said about uh, Dr. Jones. She is, I mean, something, something serious. And I want to just let her know that I appreciate her as well. I mean, I love to see my, oh, my God, strong Black women. Y'all doing your thing. And I really do. I really do appreciate that. And, and the thing about it is you have that discipline. And I know uh, my dad used to tell me all the time that discipline is doing what you know you're supposed to do, whether you feel like doing it or not. And that made a big difference in my life. And with you, with you, Miss Barron, I mean, you know, you and Dr. Jones, nothing average about you all ever, because we all know the definition of average. That's just being on top of the bottom. And y'all have exceeded more than anything. Listen, listen, and I know you were talking about all, you know, what you received and everything, but did you also know, did you also know that, you know, you have received the Work Excellent Award? My God, the Social Work Excellence Award. That's amazing. And I want to say congratulations to you for that as well. Listen, listen, I want to thank everybody who's listening. I mean, you know, you can learn something from this. I mean, because it is a tool for what can be. Thank you so much for your time this time. And until the next time, I hope it's better than the last. And as my dad would always say, you're never out of business when you mind your own. This is your boy Croft. We'll holler at you later. Peace.